This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, a financial partner for businesses throughout the South for 130 years. Trustmark offers a range of products and services designed to help small businesses efficiently manage finances. More info at Trustmark.com, member FDIC. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. What are some of the misunderstandings and misconceptions out there about bankruptcy law and bankruptcy procedure? Is bankruptcy for you? Our guests are here to answer those questions. They are bankruptcy attorneys from the Coxwell Attorneys Law Firm. And our expert hosts will give their advice and counsel on your problems as well. You can contact us by email. The address is money at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Nancy. We'll start with you with uh, financial news in the news this week. Well, good morning, Kevin. This is a big week. On Friday, that will be the first Friday of a new month, October, and we will be getting employment data, monthly employment data. And we're anxious to see what those numbers are. This will be the first month where we've gotten data um, after the, the decline of all of the federal money coming out. And so we're expecting to see a slowdown. And while I don't cheer for that, um, the worse the data is, the more likely Congress is going to come to an agreement because they are talking again about another stimulus package. And so they will be watching this data and seeing what that tells them about the condition of the economy. Uh, Ryder, what is uh, what is your take on the financial news and the news? Well, well uh, being the end of the quarter, uh, or very, we're getting very close to the end of the quarter, as Nancy uh, indicated. Uh, I like to look back and see kind of what has the uh, what has the stock market done, and um, this was an interesting. We have had a series of interesting quarters this year. Let's be clear, and um, this was generally a positive quarter uh, for the S and P 500. We're up a couple of points, though. You know, July and August ran up quite a bit, um, kind of steadily. You know, not a whole lot of bad down days in July and August, uh, but then. September was all of the bad down days that we that we had missed out in July and August came in September. Uh, so we are you know, maybe a little bit up for the year, just depending on how your portfolio is arranged, but uh, not just barely uh, touching where the highs were in uh, in February back before we knew what was coming to us. Uh, it's the end of the month, so I always check all of the websites uh, for my credit cards uh, to make sure that uh, I know what my balance is. And uh, had one with a balance, the other three were zero, which is always good. But as I was checking at each website you go to, now has that um, two-layer authentic- authentication where they you log in and then they send you a, a code uh, to your phone or your email. And when I was doing it, I thought to myself, well, this is kind of annoying. But then I thought again. Uh, that anything that they can do to help make sure that no one is uh, stealing my financial information or uh, and accessing uh, my uh, accounts without my permission uh, is certainly worth the wait. So when you when we deal with these extra security procedures, it can be a bit of a, a bother. But uh, I think we can, if we keep in mind the reason they're there, uh, that it'll be a little bit easier to take. So that's my my take on things. Uh, any thoughts on that, uh, Nancy Ryder? Well, I think it's I a good think, idea uh, to have that. 
Um, but I'm with you, Kevin. It's annoying. Uh, so I'm still waiting for that time when they they know who I am by my my. Um, by looking in my eyes or my fingerprints or whatever, and I can avoid all of that. Well, Nancy, that day is it's 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 close and it's here in some ways. I uh, I bought something online the other day, and now I forget what it is. I'll just have to wait till the package shows up at my door. Um, but I bought it online and clicked the Apple Pay button, and it was very convenient. I had my phone with me. Uh, so I clicked Apple Pay on my computer. It popped up on my phone and said, "Pay, you know, fifty dollars to so and so," and I put my fingerprint, uh, put my finger down, and that completed the transaction. I didn't have to go through and enter my uh, address three times. I didn't have to type in my credit card information. Uh, the thing was handled all seamlessly, and then just popped up and said, "Thank you. We will be emailing you your confirmation and shipping whatever it is that you ordered." Uh, uh, shortly, so that th that day is here, Nancy. Good. Also, though, I, th I think there was a movie with Tom Cruise where they had the eye recognition, and he needed to get somewhere or somebody. And I, if I remember correctly, they cut the guy's eye out and then scanned it that way. So <clears throat> that was kind of gross, but uh, hopefully it won't resort to that. My other favorite one is the "I am not a robot." So you know, pick out the part of the pictures where you see a traffic light or whatever. That's that's always a lot of fun. But always, I'm always a little nervous because there looks to be one square. It's like, well, I mean, is that there? You know. So for us older folks who don't see well. Uh, that one can be a little bit of a challenge. The other thing is, I don't remember, I, I mentioned this on the air, but uh, I finally discovered the tapping feature that if you have a certain, uh, I guess, uh, chip in your uh, your check card, that instead of inserting it into the machine, you can just tap the little screen, uh, and that works there. So I was, uh, I think, at uh, DSW buying some shoes a couple weeks ago, surprise, surprise, uh, and the, the, the lady that was behind the uh, checking me out told me about that, and I've used that, and that makes things a little bit easier uh, on the check out as well. All right, we've got some guests on the show this morning. Let's welcome to Money Talks attorneys Rachel Coxwell and Franks Coxwell. Uh, thank you both for being on Money Talks. Hi, thank you for having us. Thank you. Uh, and with the same last name, is it safe to assume that you are related? Yes, we are a father-daughter duo. All right. Uh, Frank, we've had you on the show for a while, and I think Rachel came uh, the last couple of times. Uh, Rachel, how long have you been working together? That is a tricky question. <laughs> I worked at the office all through undergrad and law school, but I've been a lawyer for about three years now. Uh, Frank, uh, start us off, if you would. Remind us what it means to file for bankruptcy. What does filing do for you, and how does it help you? Well, filing bankruptcy is a constitutional right that um, everyone has, and it will eliminate debts that you have. Uh, you get to pick and choose what you want to keep and continue to pay for and what you want to get rid of. Uh, it'll wipe out all your debts except for federal student loans, uh, domestic obligations, and some taxes. We can discharge taxes if they're over three years old, but if they're not, then they're not discharged in the bankruptcy. But generally, all your debts, uh, credit cards, medical bills, vehicles, whatever you want to get rid of, will be wiped out in the bankruptcy. Uh, where in sort of the options of dealing with debt would bankruptcy fall? Is it something that folks should think about early on, or is it more uh, sort of a later uh, option for dealing with debt? 
I think people should think about it right up front, certainly before you drain your 401k or borrow money to try to pay the debts off or take a mortgage on your house or eat up all your savings, uh, at least talk to a bankruptcy lawyer and find out what's available and what options are out there. We we do only bankruptcy, but we know about the other options that, that might work for some people. Um, so you should talk to a bankruptcy lawyer early on and find out what's available and what he can do for you so that you have all the information you need to make an informed decision. Uh, that certainly makes sense. As you say, you know, at least talk to them, find out what it's about and, and whether it works for you, and that uh, can help you make your decisions as you deal uh, with uh, dealing with your debt. So, Rachel, 2020 has been a challenging year for us in a number of ways. Uh, how has the pandemic uh, shaped your year? My year personally or business-wise? Uh, business-wise. Business-wise, we have seen not a whole lot of people are filing right now, bankruptcy-wise. There's the stimulus checks that are going out. There were the higher pandemic unemployment pay, So, and all the courts have been on pause. I do think they're opening up right now. Foreclosures have been on pause, I do believe, until about December 31st is when they're going to, after that, they're going to start foreclosing on houses and doing that process. So not a lot of people are feeling the rush or the need to even think about bankruptcy right now, which I do believe is a mistake. I think they should start thinking of it, like Frank was saying, right now before they go into a panic or anything pushes them to do something out of their timeline. Uh, and, and Frank, again, uh, you know, this, this, if you think that you might be encouraging or, I'm sorry, encountering some financial difficulties in the future, again, uh, this might be a good idea to learn about bankruptcy so that you're not having to make that sort of decision when there's the added pressure of mounting debt. Right. There's so many misconceptions and myths out there about bankruptcy. It's not like people think it is. And it doesn't destroy your credit forever. Uh, These are just common things we get from people all the time, but it's not like people think it is. And you need to talk to someone and find out uh, the benefits of bankruptcy and what it can do for you in your situation. And like you said, before you're being forced into something and you have to make some split-second decisions. If you have a question for our experts, send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We'll continue our discussion of bankruptcy after the break. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone. Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. 
Your old car is kind of like that hairstyle you had in high school. Really cool back in the day. But that old car is still cool when you donate it to MPB Think Radio. Go to mpbonline.org for details. Then sit back and enjoy the ride. Now that's cool. You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're visiting today with Frank Coxwell and Rachel Coxwell, attorneys with experience in bankruptcy, and that's our main topic. So if you have a bankruptcy-related question or a personal finance question, we've got some open phone lines, so give us a call, and we'll see if we can't help you this morning. Uh, Our producer, Liz Gill, found a list of 12 things you need to know from the MississippiConsumerHelp.com website. Uh, So we'll go over some of those and and get some comments along the way. Uh, The first one is to not borrow any more money or take out a second mortgage. Uh, Rachel, do you think that the idea of needing to do this uh, suggests is a red flag and suggests that maybe uh, financial trouble is, uh, is maybe worse than you thought? Yes, I do believe that is a red flag that people should be watching out for. If you can't pay your current bills or if you're looking to pay one bill with another credit card or pay one with another or switch anything out like that, I do think that is an indicator you need to at least call a bankruptcy attorney. You never want to borrow from Peter to pay Paul. It's just a vicious circle that never ends. Very good. Number two on our list, don't take money out of your retirement, 401K or IRA. Uh, Nancy, remind us of the reasons that you can legally, without penalty, uh, draw retirement savings. Well, in an IRA, the magic age is 59 and a half. Uh, If you take money out of your IRA after that point, there is no penalty, but you will pay tax on the money that you've taken out that you've never paid tax on. Um, Some 401ks have options for loans, but you just need to check with your particular 401k plan. But we have something unusual going on this year. And whereas in normal years, you can take out money without penalty before that age for certain things like medical expenses or first-time purchase of a house. But the CARES Act has given us a provision in there to allow us to take up to $100,000 out of our IRAs without those penalties, regardless of your age, and then you can spread the tax that is due on that over three years, or you also have three years to turn around and put that money back. Now, normally I would say don't tap into an IRA because you'll never get that time and that investment back. It'll take so much longer. But we are using this in some cases for people who need a hedge, um, or excuse me, not a hedge, but a bridge, a bridge to get them to another spot. um, And they know that their income is going to bounce back. They know that an asset is going to be sold, and they'll be able to put that money back. So in those cases, we are using that provision, um, but be very careful. Uh, Tip number three on our list is to stop using credit cards. Don't use the convenience checks and don't take cash advances. Uh, Don't do balance transfers from one card to the other. Ryder, if you would, uh, maybe some reasons why uh, the convenience checks and cash advances and balance transfers uh, could possibly get you into deeper trouble. Oh, my goodness, yes. Um, Cash transfers, uh, when you use your credit card at an ATM or when you write, use one of those convenience checks, Uh, for instance, those usually incur a higher interest rate than your normal purchases. And not only that, there is none of the, generally speaking, when you buy something with your credit card, you are not charged interest 
um, until after your first bill due date. So you kind of have a grace period. You buy something, and then next month when the bill is due, if you pay it, you never had to pay interest if you pay it off completely. Um, with a cash transfer or anything like that, that interest is due immediately, and it can be a much higher rate. I've seen them, you know, say you have a 15% rate on your purchases maybe you have a 25 percent rate on cash transfers and and that's two percent every single month that i mean that's real money every single month um, it is just a vastly more expensive way to get money than a lot of other options that you may have and uh, from personal experience, I've used the balance transfer a couple of times, but you have to be very sure that you can pay off the amount in the amount of time that they give you because, you know, they usually give you low or no interest rates. But if you don't complete the payback in time, all of the interest that would have accrued is then due. So if you use that, be very careful and make sure that you can meet your obligations. Yes, that's another good point because we do talk about using a specific balance transfer credit card. Sometimes if someone needs to just just consolidate or refinance all uh, some high interest debt, there are some very good offers. Which you know, if you do have the money and can build a plan to pay it off in six or twelve months, sometimes you'll find a six or twelve month offer uh, of no interest and maybe a very low fee to get you started. Um, but like you said that the penalties that can that can come the interest that can come if you don't meet those requirements fairly strictly uh, can get pretty harsh we're going through a list of 12 things you need to know now uh, from the website mississippiconsumerhelp.com and we have come to number four which says don't keep your money in the same bank or credit union where you owe money stop all direct deposits into that account and redirect them to a different bank uh, frank thoughts on that why this one might be included in our list well, if you're going to discharge the debt to the bank, whether you have a loan there or a credit card or an overdraft or whatever, uh, you've given the bank permission to reach into your accounts and take money out in the small print of the documents you signed when you opened the account or when you took out a loan. So if we're going to discharge these debts in a bankruptcy, we don't want the creditor to continue to get money from you. All right. Uh, looks like we have got a call on the line. So why don't we say uh, good morning to Wes, who has called in from Mobile. Wes, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Thank you. Good morning, and thanks for taking my call. I don't have a question about bankruptcy. It's about, uh, I guess, portfolio diversification, and uh, mainly about bond uh, index funds. And I guess the traditional investment advice has been to diversify with some sort of balance of, of stocks and, and bond funds. But I'm struggling a little bit with the idea of bond funds because of the interest rate environment. I, I feel like it's almost in, in investing in to that will lose value for the sake of diversification. So I was wondering what your guests thought about that strategy, that traditional strategy, are they still uh, adhering to that, or does it make sense, given the, the fees you pay for, to funds, just to stay with something like CDs or, or bank accounts? Uh, I guess that's one part of my question. And the other part of the question is, if you do still 
like the idea of bond funds. Are there any fees that I need to worry about? I've, I've read a little bit about transaction fees that aren't listed in the uh, normal state fees and expenses information. So uh, that's generally my question. Um, yes, yeah, so this is a very good point. Um, and one thing to think about with bonds is we generally say the long term, you know, what you expect your return to be is roughly what the current yield to maturity of the bonds are. And I was just trying to see if I could find just the uh, broad, um, the yield to maturity of a broad index, the uh, Bloomberg Barclays aggregate bond. Uh, index covers most of uh, U.S. investable uh, investment grade bonds. I don't uh, just very quickly. It looks like an average yield to maturity of 1.15 percent. So, you know, that's a very low <laughs> return. Uh, and you're right. If bond yields, if bond uh, yields do rise, you would probably see a loss in some bond funds. Um, a couple of things you can do, if you are concerned about rising rates, you can move to just very short-term bonds. Um, or like you said, you know, CDs in the bank. The CDs in the bank aren't gonna lose value. They may provide a little less yield and maybe even less return over the long term, uh, but they're not gonna go anywhere. Uh, you have a lot more peace of mind there. I will say the point of bonds in a portfolio though is generally speaking, not to make you a lot of money. Um, they are generally, you put them in a portfolio, one, to diversify against the stock moves, um, but also importantly, because we make money because we will need to spend it one day, and the bond portion should be more, you would expect to be uh, less volatile, particularly in the short term, uh, than stocks, and so you use that for money that you're going to need to spend over the next few years. Uh, so you don't necessarily need to look at that as a money-making portion, although, of course, you don't want to lose money. Um, another thing to look at is potentially inflation-protected bonds if you have a concern that inflation is going to erode the value of, um, of other bonds. Uh, those are currently, I believe, at a negative yield, um, but if inflation is, is higher than, than you know, say, about 2%, then those may end up being a much higher returning um, uh much higher returning than regular bonds. So that's that's kind of my thought on bonds, uh, particularly right now. All right, Wes, we appreciate your call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We are going through a list of 12 things you need to know from the website MississippiConsumerHelp.com. Uh, the next one on our list says, don't pay back loans from family members or friends if you're not paying your other creditors. And, Rachel, I guess this uh, points to the idea that maybe if you're dealing uh, with debt uh, that you need to um, prioritize things. Yes, it does talk about it's it does point to prioritizing where your money goes and everything and I do understand everyone panics and wants to pay family members back. Um, however, with bankruptcy specifically, there is a look back period of about one year. So if you're thinking about filing bankruptcy, it's never a good idea to pay back your family members because the trustee could reverse that and get the money back from that family member. Um, so that's basically what that specific point has to deal with. You don't want to you know, especially if somebody doesn't want anybody to know about it, you don't want something to happen where your family member ends up having to get that money back. All right. Uh, 
Could I uh, just follow up on that? So that's an interesting point. I was wondering if, if that was the reason to look back, period. But how should you think about prioritizing um, you know, family loans, you know, if you know you are on a path to bankruptcy anyway and, and you have extra money that can go to something, what should you be doing with it? Do, do you, should you be paying something off aggressively or should you just sit and wait and hang on to as much cash as you can? Um, I, I think you might be different. I always look at holding on to any cash because you might be able to protect it. And speaking with a bankruptcy attorney, you can always talk to them and see about what different things that you can do with that cash. But bankruptcy does give you um, protections, and they're called exemptions, and cash can always fit within that as well. So we do recommend holding on to anything, and if it's um, a, a, a super large uh, some of money we do end up talking and you might have to wait a while and we figure out what you can do with it but generally if we don't recommend you pay anyone back if you're thinking about filing for bankruptcy you always want to talk to an attorney first uh, number six on our list is don't try to put your vehicles and property in someone else's name uh, don't give away things and don't sign vehicles land or houses over to someone else frank this is uh, similar to what we were just talking about but uh, if you would comment on, on number six on our list here well, one of the myths or misconceptions of bankruptcy is that you're going to lose everything, and that's not true, uh, and that you people think you need to put everything in someone else's name, and that's considered fraud. Uh, you can't just give stuff away before you file bankruptcy because of that look-back period. It's considered a preference. Um, everybody should be treated the same in bankruptcy, and everybody gets the same amount of money, so you don't want to be giving something to an individual uh, and you can't just give stuff away without getting reasonable value for it. So um, if you sign something over to someone else's name with the intent to get it back later after the bankruptcy is over, that's fraud. You can go to jail for that, and it's just not worth it. Most of your stuff is protected under these exemptions anyway, so you get to keep it without having to go through all this and, and subject yourself to uh, a bankruptcy fraud or a bankruptcy crime. All right, uh, it's time for another break. Uh, does the current economic climate have you worried about if you need to file for bankruptcy? We've got bankruptcy attorneys, Frank Coxwell and Rachel Coxwell, to answer your questions. Nancy and Ryder can take your personal finance questions also. We'll continue our discussion about bankruptcy in just a bit. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, 
I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal financial broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. And today on the show, we're visiting with Frank and Rachel Coxwell. They are bankruptcy attorneys and our guests for the hour. Uh, Frank, before the break, you know, we've been talking about some of the things that are misconceptions about bankruptcy. And I think one of the most common ones is that you touched on is the idea that if you file for bankruptcy, you are going to lose everything. And you mentioned some exemptions. So if you would, uh, tell us about some of the exemptions uh, that are involved with bankruptcy. Well, there's a homestead exemption. You get um, protected $75,000 worth of equity in your house. And that's whether you file bankruptcy or not, but it's protection from the bankruptcy court and protection from your creditors. Now, this only applies to the property you live in and claim as homestead. Then you get $10,000 worth of personal property. So car, equity in vehicles, clothing, furniture, uh, guns, jewelry. And we value your stuff. It's all used. Everything you have is used stuff. So we value it as used stuff. So very few people end up using more than 5000 of their $10,000 worth of equity in personal items and household goods. So that leaves uh, additional equity that you could protect some cash. Uh, Retirement accounts, 401Ks, IRAs are all fully protected, no matter how much is in there. Um, There's other individual uh, exemptions like that that we use for different things, but those are the most common ones that would affect people, general husband and wives or individuals filing bankruptcy. Uh, we are also going off a list of, from MississippiConsumerHelp.com. It's 12 things you need to know. Another one on the list is to file your tax returns, even if you're going to owe money. Uh, Rachel, I guess this is if you're in debt, you know, that's uh, bad enough, but you certainly don't want the IRS after you as well. Yes. Um, this one also has to do with specifically with bankruptcy. Of course, in any general form outside of bankruptcy, you always want to file your taxes. Uh, But the bankruptcy requires the past four years of taxes to have been filed um, to make you eligible to file for bankruptcy. So we always require that, and the trustee will always look at your most recent one filed. Even if you owe money, the bankruptcy, um, a Chapter 13 would help you to spread that out and pay for it so you're not on a specific deadline with the IRS, but it also protects you from the IRS specifically. Number nine. If, oh, oh, go ahead. If I could add something, um, you, 
people think that if they don't file the paper return that the IRS won't know anything about them, and that's not true. And, and taxes could be discharged in bankruptcy if you filed the returns on time. But in this country, you go to jail for not filing the paper, the return. You don't go to jail for not paying. Those are two separate things. And people get them confused. Um, they think if they don't file, they won't owe. But someone's already sent a 1099 or a W-2 into the IRS, so they know about the money you made. And you have to file the return. Paying the IRS is a completely separate issue. Um, the IRS has super collection um, techniques they can use to try to collect the money. But the, the general bankruptcy thinking is if the IRS can't get the money in three years, it's not there to be gotten. So you can discharge it in bankruptcy. All right. Uh, looks like we've got a caller on the line. So let's say good morning to James from Jackson. James, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Okay. What about that wild card exemption? I didn't hear you say anything about that. That is, uh, this is Frank Coxwell. That's for people that are 70 and older. You get an extra $50,000 called the wild card exemption that you can apply to anything. The thinking in bankruptcy is that the you're, you're 70 years old. It's too late for you to get back out there and try to recoup anything. So they give you an extra $70,000 you can protect anything with. It's an extra $50,000, but you have to be I'm sorry. older. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got those mixed up. It's $50,000, right? And a husband and wife would get 100000 if they were both 70 or older. All right. Uh, number nine on the list, don't get married right now if you have a lot of debt or if your fiancé has a high income. So, Rachel, uh, can debt holders come after members of your family? So they cannot. However, the reason for that is the, the bankruptcy looks at your whole household income, so if you get engaged, start living together, um, your fiancé would be included in that household income for the means test. So our idea here is if, you're, if your fiancé or your you know, future spouse ends up having a lot of income, it could stop you or cause you to pay extra in, a, in different types of bankruptcy. So it's better to kind of deal with what you have before you get married. However, creditors can only go after the person that is on the debt. Uh, and this isn't the personal relationship show, but I would also say that if you enter a, a relationship like that, that might add a lot of undue stress to the equation uh, than if you wait and get things worked out uh, before you kind of merge your uh, your finances and things with, with someone else. Um, number 10 on the list, don't make promises or payments to debt collectors. Decide what bills must be paid, like the house and the car, and keep paying those. Stop paying credit cards, medical bills, and other unsecured debts. Frank, we talked a little bit about uh, prioritizing your debts earlier. Uh, what's your take on that? Well, here we go back to the, the preference period. Um, you're given one, if you pay debts before you file bankruptcy, you're given one particular creditor more money than they would get in the bankruptcy. And the purpose of the bankruptcy is to make sure that everybody in the same class, unsecured or secured, gets the same amount of money or the same amount of pro rata money uh, based on their debt. So if you paid uh, off a credit card to $5,000, the trustee can go take that 5000 back and spread it among all the creditors. So. And then you, you would have paid the money, and you thought you got credit for paying that card off, but the money's been taken back. And that's the same thing that happens if you pay family members and stuff. If you want to pay a family member, you pay them after you file the bankruptcy, not before. 
Uh, number on the 11 on the list says, if a process server is trying to serve you with court papers, take them, or if the post office says you have certified mail, pick it up. It's important you know what these things are so you can deal with them before they turn into a garnishment or foreclosure. And, Rachel, this goes back to, I guess, you know, ignoring your situation is not going to make it get any better or go away. That is very true. You always want to know who is trying to do something or in what process or stage you are in. Usually um, your debt will get sold a couple times, but by that point of you just ignoring your phone, ignoring somebody that's talking to you and not trying to do anything or not going forward with a bankruptcy or something else that could help you, you always want to know what's happening because there are, there are timelines, there are deadlines. If somebody serves you, it's usually 30 days before you have to answer or have to appear in court. People stress out about it. Um, and it, it's always better to think with, you know, with all the time in the world that you have instead of being put on that short timeline of 30 days before something happens or I get garnished or anything like that. You just want to know and have all the knowledge ahead of time. Uh, and that is number 12 on the list mentioning uh, foreclosures. It says if you get something that mentions foreclosure, act immediately. As Rachel said, it can be completed in 30 days. Uh, they don't have to tell you about it in advance. Uh, Frank, how are you notified that you're going to be foreclosed on? Well, Mississippi law only requires that they run an ad in the newspaper once a week for three weeks. Then they, the sale foreclosure sale set the fourth week at the courthouse. Most foreclosure law firms will send you a notice, sometimes certified, sometimes regular mail, sometimes both. But they may not send it as soon as they run the newspaper ad. So you might get it two or three weeks after the ad is run. Because, like I said, they're not required to notify you of the foreclosure other than running the ad in the newspaper. So, um, and nobody reads those ads. Lawyers don't even read those legal <laughs> ads in the paper. So uh, there's a good chance you wouldn't even know about it. Who even gets a newspaper nowadays? Yeah. Um, so it, things could go on and be happening without you knowing about them because you didn't go pick up that certified mail at the post office or you got some mail and you stuck your head in the sand like an ostrich and just hopefully you ignored it and thinking it would go away. It doesn't. So if you lose your home to foreclosure, is that the end? Is your mortgage debt paid off? No. The mortgage company can come after you. They have a year to come after you for any kind of deficiency. Just like if you have a car repossessed, they can sue you for the difference or what they think they lost on the vehicle. Uh, mortgage companies can do the same thing on a house. But if they don't do it within that one year from the foreclosure, then they can never do it. But um, you you don't want to be in that position. Once the foreclosure happens in Mississippi, there's no redemption period. There's no way to get the house back. You would be in the position of having to sue the mortgage company and try to declare the foreclosure um, as a wrongful foreclosure and try to get the house back. And you just never want to be in that position if you can stop the foreclosure before it happens. We're going to continue talking about bankruptcy after this last break. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
I'm Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. Try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. you found our show Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're wrapping up our discussion about bankruptcy with attorneys Frank Coxwell and Rachel Coxwell. So, Rachel, what uh, types of debt can bankruptcy help you manage? Okay. Um, it can actually help you manage any type of debt that you have. Um, a Chapter 13 is really for reorganization, so those debts that aren't dischargeable, such as, like Frank mentioned earlier, student loans or taxes or child support, the 13 can protect you to make sure nobody can do anything to you, give you a sort of bubble of protection while you work out paying those debts within three to five years. Um, it helps you spread them out a little more, make the notes a little lower. Um, it can also help you catch up on a house or a car. Um, with a 7 and 13, you might also be eligible to discharge unsecured debt, such as medical, um, random online loans, um, check cashing places, credit cards, uh, that type of thing. So it really can help you either get rid of it or sort of reorganize any type of debt that you have. Uh, Nancy, you wanted to comment here. Yes, I just wanted to tell our listeners out there um, that bankruptcy is not the stigma that you may think it is, and certainly not now in the middle of this pandemic. We are seeing a lot of small business owners who are really struggling. Imagine if you um, have a small restaurant or a small retail shop. It is really hard to keep it going. And maybe the most rational thing you can do instead of throwing good money after bad is to close the doors, declare bankruptcy, and come back to fight another day. And I would just encourage those people to just stop and take stock. And, and Frank mentioned it's a good time at the front end to go and sit down with a bankruptcy attorney and just explore your options. And, of course, the older you are getting into this, the more important it is for you to stop the bleeding as far as your cash. All right. Uh, we've got a caller on the line, so let's say good morning to Charles from Ocean Springs. Go ahead, Charles. You're on the air. Yeah, if you hired a contractor to build a building, the contractor filed a bankruptcy. The people that poured the concrete and supplied the building and so forth want to file on the property. If they file a lien against the property, can they later foreclose on that lien? Frank, any thoughts on that one? I'm sorry, I had to mute on. I'll take that. Um, they could foreclose the property, but they would be a, a lien holder behind uh, the first mortgage or a second mortgage. They would have to pay off the first or second mortgage in no order mortgage. for them to foreclose. No mortgage. Oh, well, then, yeah. I mean, there's... Um, uh, there's liens, um, not mechanics lien, but a um, sub subcontractor's lien that they can put on there to make sure they get paid, and that would be a lien on the property. It would stop you from selling the property or borrowing money against it without paying that lien off. And I guess at some point they could do a foreclosure if they wanted to if there were no other mortgages on the property. Yeah, that was my question. Could they could they foreclose on the property if they filed a legitimate lien against the property? Yeah. Okay. And that's 
It's what I needed to know. I appreciate y'all taking my call. All right. That's not good news, but <laughs> they can. Okay. Thanks, Charles, right. for your call. Uh, Frank, Rachel mentioned uh, the two types of bankruptcy, Chapter 7 and Chapter 13. If you could give us a, a little primer about the, how the two maybe are similar and how they are different. Chapter 7 and Chapter 13 will both wipe out uh, whatever debts you want to get rid of, and you get to keep whatever you want to keep. In the Chapter 7, uh, it's over in about four to five months start to finish. <clears throat> You wipe out everything you want to get rid of. You keep whatever you want to keep and continue to make the regular payments. Things you want to keep, your house, your vehicle, furniture notes, pass right through the bankruptcy. They're not affected by it. Everything else is gone, so you get a clean slate and you continue to pay your regular house note, your regular car note, the things that you're holding on to. Um, and you deal with that stuff on your own. The Chapter 13, we still wipe out all the debts you want to get rid of. We take the debts you want to hold on to, your house, your car, your furniture, and spread those out over a three-, four-, or five-year period. Now, if you're behind on the house, you'll continue to pay the regular house note in the bankruptcy and a little extra each month to catch up those back notes. Your car note, we'll spread the car note out over that additional five-year period to try to lower your note. If you've had the vehicle for more than two and a half years, you only have to pay the value of the vehicle. So if you owe 10000 but the vehicle's only worth six, you only have to pay six spread out over that five-year period, and the bankruptcy would wipe out the other 4000 on the car. So it gives you a lower note on, on things that you want to hold on to and allows you to spread them out over a period of time and hold on to stuff that you might not be able to keep. Now, we can't change the amount of the house notes in a Chapter 13. Uh, only the mortgage company can do that. But we can help you catch up the back notes in a 13. Uh, we've got about uh, just a couple of minutes left, and uh, there were we've talked throughout the hour about reasons that you would want to file for bankruptcy. A couple of ones on this list that I don't think we've talked about, and Rachel, uh, what about this one? You may not qualify for a Chapter 7 bankruptcy if you wait. Is it important uh, to, to act quickly if you want to file Chapter 7? Yes, it's definitely important to speak to a bankruptcy attorney to see if you can qualify for a 7. And I don't usually like using the word qualify, but it does have to do with something called the means test, which looks at your past six months' income, and it does look at household. So right now, with this pandemic that has happened, the silver lining is you might actually qualify for a Chapter 7 because your means test income might not be as high to make you not qualify for it. So, you know, if you foresee something happening in the future, you might want to go ahead and talk to a bankruptcy attorney and see if you can qualify for the 7 um, if you don't really want to do the 13. All right. And the other one that I thought was interesting, Frank, is uh, no more harassing phone calls and nasty collection letters. So when you file for bankruptcy, that, that sort of uh, communication needs to uh, cease? Yes, um, you're under the protection of the bankruptcy court. Creditors cannot contact you in any way, shape, or form, and it gives you some peace from not having to deal with all that. We can stop all the phone calls and letters, and uh, if creditors continue to contact you, uh, they're violating the automatic stay, which is the protection you would be under, and we get to sue them and go after them for that. As we wrap up, uh, is there a website or a phone number that you would like to give out if people are, need some uh, bankruptcy advice? We have our website, coxwellattorneys.com or the Mississippi Consumer Help.com, and our phone number is 601 948 4450. 
All right. We appreciate you both coming on and sharing your expertise with us. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by the generous financial support from you, our listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast. Search for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener today was Jay White. So for Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Ryder Taff, Rachel Coxwell, and Frank Coxwell, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. for MPB comes from Trustmark, a financial partner for businesses throughout the South for 130 years. Trustmark offers a range of products and services designed to help small businesses efficiently manage finances. More info at Trustmark.com, member FDIC. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.